Hello everybody and welcome to DPST Plus. My name is Matt. I'm Nessa. And on this show we are going to talk about all the things that we don't quite have room for in our regular shows, yeah. but, but we just feel a burning desire to discuss. You know, something that comes up and we just we have to talk about it now, but doesn't really fit into the regular show. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, be it for time constraints or anything or like just that. Content, content wise. Content, yes. Uh, so we're going to talk about a couple of films tonight that uh, we're going to do a review for you for. Mm. Uh, spoilers are included though, so be aware of that. Even though they're old films? Yes. So uh, the, the, the first one, it's a, a, an original and a sequel. The first one came out uh, a few years before my year of birth, personally. But well, movies that I watched when I was younger. And, and quite a bit before my year of birth. Yeah. Well, you're only one year younger than me, <laughs> so... so much younger than oh you. Oh, my God. All right. It's like a year and a half. Would you like to introduce the films that we're reviewing? Yes. So this would be... We have two films. Yes. Um, the first of which is the cult classic Escape from New York. Yes. And the second of which is the... Sequel to that movie, Escape from L.A. Yes, uh, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, both of them. Yes. Uh, as the... And they're a good, what, 15 years apart? 16 years 16 apart, 16 years yeah. apart. So, Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken, six, uh, 16 years, well, younger in 81, 16 years older in 1990... No, what? 15, you're right, 1996. Oh, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... All right, let's start with the first movie. Okay. So, Escape from New York, classic film, made like twice its budget when it, when it, when it went to cinema. Yeah. Uh, and uh, great, a uh, great film, generally speaking, by by all accounts. Yeah, I mean, a very enjoyable accounts. film. Yeah, look, it's one of John Carpenter's better films. I actually personally yes. don't think that he's a very consistent director. No. I think that, which is interesting though, because like he's made like the greatest science fiction film yeah. of all time, and then he's also made absolute just trash. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I like I was saying to you that I think he has really good concepts, uh, and he knows how to create a world. But I think the performances of the actors, the quality of them, comes down entirely to the actor himself. Yeah. I don't think he's a good actor's director. I don't think he gives the actors a lot of... Yeah, he's good at creating an environment. And yeah. You see that in this movie. Like, you really feel the world in this movie. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, if somebody's not very good, ooh, they are just not very good. <laughs> and he, he has a great way of working with a low budget because a lot mm. of his early films a lot of them were really low budget so he sort of got used and, and you can tell by the time that Escape from New York came along he had this really interesting way of getting around budget problems yeah well like, I mean and he is and I love him for this but he seems to be he uses a lot of practical effects yep which I love yeah yeah well that's <laughs> in this first one. He uses a lot of practical effects. A lot of practical effects. effects. Uh, there, there's always the, 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 the famous little tidbit of information. Well, I don't know. If people, I don't know if it's knows. famous because I didn't know. <laughs> but uh, when they have that open, that, the scan over the city and everything's sort of like wireframe and whatnot, they didn't actually have the money to to make actually a make graphic. a computer graphic one. So they just made a model city, then taped all the lines up with glow-in-the-dark tape, <laughs> and then filmed that. And it looks amazing. Like, the oh, detail on it is it awesome. It looks better than a computer graphic would have at the time. Yeah. That's the thing. It was so much better. Yeah, but it's just an interesting way of sort of getting around the, that yeah. low budget. He's uh, definitely very inventive. Mm, yes. And, yeah, and you feel... you you Like, it was an enjoyable movie. Yeah. 
I mean, it has some sillier aspects. And it's, I think it's, I, I don't think it's the most consistent film in saying that, mm. uh, which we'll go into detail in a second about. But, um, yeah, we're both yawning. It's I quite know. late at night when like, we're recording this. I was like, I'm yawning. This. I want to take my sweatshirt off. It's really... Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, let's, can you, do, do you want to give an outline of the, of the film or would you like me to do it? All right, so Snake Plissken, and it gets a little confusing here, but so yes. he is a war hero. He's a war hero. Who has robbed a bank. For some reason, never explained. For some reason, never explained. And, and not, they not, also, just a, not just a bank, but like... The Federal Reserve, I think. Which is fucking well protected. Well, and it's weird because they talk about like, you don't even care about human life. And I'm like, because he robbed a bank? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. But anyways, sorry. We'll get to that later. So then he gets sent. So this is in the future. Yes. And the future, there, um, New York has just become a crime island. They've just become a giant prison. They just basically cordoned off New York and made it a giant prison. Because why not take one of the most, the busiest, most uh, yeah. famous cities in the world and just turn and it just into a prison? Ma- I'm just like, as I was watching it, I was like, I feel like if they made a place, a prison, it would be like in the middle of Wyoming. Yeah. Like it would be where there was just... Nothing. And where there was a lot of like open space where yeah. you could catch anyone who tried to escape. Yeah, but yeah. so they so they've just they've You wouldn't put it on the coast. Basically. <laughs> I think they said crime rose by like four hundred percent and Doesn't so... explain again why. Why or anything. It doesn't say why. <laughs> There's a why lot of... why is a question I found myself asking a lot in this film, and this yeah. is one of my key problems with it. But so Snake Pliskin gets sent to this prison for robbing the bank, but right before he gets sent there the president's, uh, the Air Force One crashes. It gets, it gets hijacked. It gets hijacked and they crash it into New York. The president with has the intention, to... With the intention of killing the president. Yes. And this is, it's been hijacked by someone who's allied with one of the, uh, the, the, the factions inside yes. of New York. Yes. And we have a lot of, um, like we're on the, ver- the U.S. is on the verge of war and, yeah. and the, gov- the, um, the president has some important information on a tape and he's got a... It's an important Strap speech it. that he's going to give to the, the major powers who are warring yeah. currently. So he, he's, he attaches that with handcuffs to his wrist. He gets into a little pod. He and crashes it is into literally New York. a pod. It is a very <laughs> pod-like pod. It's very pod. Um, and, then, and then Snake Plissken is they're basically like, look, here's the deal. You've, you're the only man for the job, apparently. We've sent Again, in, why? why? I don't know. They don't explain. <laughs> well, it's just like when he was in the army. Yep. But so they've sent in other people, but they can't get it done. So they send him in as like a one-man team to take him out and to give him some incentive. They're going to get erase his entire criminal record. He'll That's be right. free. And then they also put some explosives into his neck that will explode and make his arteries go pop. So he'll die if he doesn't get back in a certain hours? amount of time. 24 well, hours. The time thing is confusing. Okay. Because they say 24, and then they give him a bracelet, and it only has 22. Okay, so they say 24, then it takes him two hours to get set up <laughs> and get onto the, 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 the helicopter that goes into the city. And I swear they said that the little things would explode in oh, the like... the glider, sorry. In like 20... Like, the times were very wonky. Yeah. But so then he flies into New York... He goes, and then he tries to go and then save the president. This is the thing. Okay, so and that's then, that's the yeah. basic conceit. And then he, you know, he meets lots of interesting, colorful, colorful, colorful characters. Yeah, but this is the thing. Okay, so they give him this thing with a twenty-four hour time limit. Yes. Then they say that this meeting is going to be scheduled in twenty-one hours, so he's got to be back in twenty-one hours. So there is literally yeah. zero margin forever. It's like, 
If he's back, then he's <laughs> he's he's dead. If yeah. he has it, if he has the thing and doesn't get back in time, maybe he's half an hour late. He's dead, and they can't retrieve it. I know. Like it's just—it's <laughs> not a great plan. It's a great high concept film. Yes. I think in terms of that. Um, I think in a, in, a, in a real world logic way, it's a terrible plan from the government. <laughs> yes. Oh, it doesn't make any fucking sense in terms of like contingencies yeah. or anything like that. But but it's one of those. It things, gives him motivation. I and guess. I I kind of think it's a film that says to you as the viewer, look, suspend your disbelief. Mm. We're not going to fuck around with all this explanation. We're going to put a man. In a on in New York, it's a prison. Yeah, and there's Deal like crazy it. people, cannibals yeah. eating people and stuff, and people you know ruling over places, and just deal with it. Like just go with it. So we do, and <laughs> let's let's talk about the positives of the film first. Yes. Okay. So uh, first positive, good world building. Yes. On a minimum budget. On yeah. a minimal budget. And man, so. his lighting. Like, he just really lights a scene well in this movie. In saying that, a lot of it is really fucking dark. It and is I, very dark. And I felt it was dark, dark when I saw it on VHS, yeah. and then I watched it on DVD, and it looks just as dark. Like, yeah. it's really dark. It is dark, but when he does use lighting as an effect, it's just really effective yeah. in the world. So, and it really helps in sort of creating mm. that this is a, is a shithole. Like, yes. it's a den, basically, and a den of... A hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Uh, and there's <laughs> not a lot say. going on. It's mostly deserted because he gets there in the night time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really great. All that world building stuff and is really And it's all good. live uh, on the street. It's not sets. Yeah. It's actually, I think it was filmed in St. Louis, I believe. I think so. Uh, is that in Illinois? St. Louis. No. no. That sounds right. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I believe it was filmed in St. Louis and it was on the street uh, that they did it. So, um, yeah. No it s- looks great. Yeah. In that sense. It is very dark at times and yeah. kind of hard to see what's going on. So that's really good. Okay. Um, I think Kurt Russell's good in it. He's good? He's good. He commits. He works with a lot of pretty shitty dialogue in cases. Yes. Which is interesting given that his character doesn't have a lot of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. But like at one point he gets shot in the leg and he commits to that injury. Like he is limping and, the rest is, of the movie. Yeah, because it's a good, it's probably halfway through the film. So he spends half the film mm. with a leg injury. And at one point he's like does, in a physical fight yeah. and you he is getting beaten and you, he, his leg is hurt. Like he really physically commits to the role. And, and yeah, and he does doesn't forget that he has this injury at yeah. any point. So he, 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 there's no inconsistency when it comes mm. to that. Um, there's no continuity problems. Yeah. Some of the other performances are quite good as well. The, uh, the, the first of the uh, criminals that you see, the crazy sort of spike-haired dude. I can't yeah, remember his character's yeah, yeah. name. Yeah, he's like the henchman for the main bad yeah, guy. Yeah, for the, the main Duke. bad guy. And uh, Kurt Russell himself has said that his performance sets the tone for the film that they're on. Oh. Which... I completely agree with. Yeah, it actually makes a lot of the other people you see seem kind of weak in comparison because that guy is so crazy and weird and like interesting and you yeah. want to watch him. And so then when the other criminals are just like dudes, it's less interesting. And this comes to my first criticism. Inconsistency in the performances of the freaks, in yes. inverted commas. <laughs> the prisoners. The prisoners. And do keep in mind that these are mostly like they are prisoners. They have committed crimes. Yes. That's just important to remember for later. <laughs> so first thing, okay, apart from this guy. So we see this guy. He's weird as fuck and really awesome and, and you're really just creepy. Like, he, he's, like, he's like a prison. He's like Puck in prison. Yeah. That's what he reminded me of, like Midsummer Night's Dream's Puck. But like, it, it, he, and you mentioned that he reminds you of the Warriors because yes. it is a Warriors-esque sort of bizarre, like... He, this really imaginative sort of um, outside of 
a little bit outside of reality. Yeah, kind it's of. like it, it's like it's over the top, but you can still believe it. Yeah, on and, some it, level. and it makes the world alien and interesting, and because of it. Yes. Yeah, but the next thing, the next group of people that you see are the crazies, as they yes. call them, and they come out of the sewers to presumably feast on. That's what it the, is. It's sort, sort of, of it think. implies that they're sort that, of that they're cannibals. Eating people. Yeah, because it says they run out of food and they. Yeah. But they're just dudes in rags and hoodies. Yeah. Uh, and it's clearly... I mean, they're kind of creepy at first because you can't really see them, but once you can see them, they're a lot... It's kind of like, meh. It's like no <laughs> effort has been put into them. And, and this is what I felt like. The, the most amount of effort... And I'm not sure if this was him as an actor doing this to himself. Yeah. But this was someone's vision, like the makeup or, or John Carpenter's personal vision, yeah. that made this man stand out so much. But then where did it go for the rest of, of the, of the yeah. film and for it, the rest of the characters? It feels more... It almost feels to me like he was like, this is what I want this character to... Like, and, as an actor? And this is why I feel like it, the director sort of didn't push those sort of artistic... Yeah, uh, onto know, everyone. ...character things. And every, and the, char- the, the actors had to make it work for themselves. Um, what is the lady's name? Uh, who? Uh, so, Brain's mistress. Yes. I can't remember. Was her name Adrian, the the actual yeah, actress? Yeah, Adrian Barbo. Barbo. Yeah. I thought she was really good. She was quite good as well. Yeah, I think um, in the end, her performance is strong. Her character, you 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 feel like okay. So she plays. So you've got Harry Dean Stanton, awesome actor, mm. playing Brain, who is the one that uh, that creates the fuel for yes. them to... Yes, so he makes petrol, which is why he's sort of kind of allowed to get away with stuff that other people wouldn't. Yeah, so he's... And him and Snake know each other yeah. from the past. So he is a bit insidious to both sides, both mm. the good and the bad guys, um, but he can get away with it uh, with his, you know, having his life spared because he is so valuable to them. Yes. And he has been given a mistress, played mm. by Adrian Barbeau. Um, and... I mean, that's what they say, but I mean, even if she was given to him, you get the feeling that she really has genuine affection for yes, him. Yes, because uh, let's let's skip to the very skip end. Skip to the very end. Uh, she when he his... dies, her reaction is awesome. Spoiler, sorry. Well, but the film's like fucking thirty-three <laughs> years old, so yeah. I think we should get yeah. Everyone needs to get over the spoilers. So he dies sadly. Look, they most most of the people die. Don't mm. be upset. Uh, he dies towards the end, and she goes, "Look, fuck it, last stand." Yeah, uh, and and she, yeah, and she doesn't even almost cry. She's him. just like hard, just like stone cold, which I think isn't good almost moment yeah. for her because it's like she's just fury. And she's she, pure. She's fury. a really strong character, mm. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Which was good because when they first are like, oh, she's just like basically some whore. I was like, seriously, yeah. the only female character. But I was like, no, she's much cooler than that. <laughs> uh, Isaac Hayes was pretty bland. Yeah, the, as the Duke of New York, he just—he's he not played, that threatening. He played the boss, and he played it sort of really, sort of, kind of, as you said, not very threatening. Yeah, you just like I'm, I'm like understated is one thing, but not threatening is like meh. Yeah. Uh, and also, how could we forget, Ernest Borgnine plays Cabby. Yes. And this is where I felt the direction let things slide, because he, <laughs> or his style of performance didn't fit with the tone yeah. that they were going for, because, now I felt there were a lot of static shots, I felt that the, the, the way the conversations were filmed mm. wasn't very dynamic, uh, it was just sort of, here's a camera, there's two people in front of the camera, and we'll just pan it as they move and those kind yeah. of things. And the first scene you see Cabby in, uh, he's sort of calling after Snake. He recognises this man Everyone is not around from him. here. 
We'll get into that That's as a well. Joke. <laughs> All right. Snake leaves and Cabby's sort of talking after him, and it just feels really like a guy playing this bizarre, like sort of innocent, but it, it feels oh, like it's in the, the, f- the, the theatre, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It felt like his performance was out of the fifties. It's or, from a different movie. Yeah, uh, and it's not terrible, but it just doesn't blend with the yeah. rest of the world. Like it, I felt he stood out, like. And, in, not in a like way that, it, and not in a good way, in a you don't really belong in this world in way. In a way that it's like that man is clearly aware that he's on camera or something mm. like that. And I'm not faulting Ernest Borgnon. I'm just faulting the way that he was filmed or directed. Yeah, One something, of those two something things. about it just didn't quite vibe. But I love his character, and he's a great uh, character, and he played it well. And, and when gr- he dies, it's sad. And really, yeah, it's the saddest I feel in the film, because yeah. he's the only one you really care about as it, like he, a good person. There is something about him where he has sort of a naivete yeah. and sort of an innocence to his character so that when he does die you do feel kind of sad and he doesn't actually set out to do anyone harm mm. and he's one of the few characters in the film that is like yeah. that um, yeah but uh, yeah so it was it was an odd experience yeah um, <laughs> overall because it was like a lot of good stuff with a lot of kind of not so good stuff in terms of the characterization yeah, and, and whatnot. It, and it just it leaves you after the movie just feeling sort of like I don't know like if I really loved that or if I mm. Didn't like it that much, like. <laughs> and good on Ernest Borgnine for for get, like doing it. Like it seemed mm. like a weird film for Ernest Borgnine to do. He did some weird movies, though. But yeah, that's true. Especially as he got older. But mm. why, why not? Like fuck it. Like you've had your success. Let's <laughs> let's play. Is what I think. Yeah, Merlin Shaw of Mystical Wonders is a bizarre film. Yeah, and he's in that. Donald Pleasance is the same. He sort of yeah. He, he came from a point of um like. Uh, really uh, integrity and did these odd films like John he did he was in Halloween and he mm. was great in that oh yeah yeah, yeah he was totally and in that he was movie. interesting in this he wasn't terrible mm. he said he drew from his own experiences as a POW too yeah so he was the president and he was um, he was basically being you know held and captured and tortured mm. and reading that as well I was like it's true because he did seem to take it quite seriously yeah and, I, and he I plays felt, a jackass, so... Yeah, well, this and this is the thing. It's an unflattering president, mm. which I thought was quite good. Not quite as... He didn't play a straight villain mm. like the like the president in the second film is. Yeah. But he, he And he was a very... I think it was a, a good middle ground for that yeah. kind of thing. But I didn't hate the performances. This is the thing. No. I just felt like it sort of left were, the... It, it let down the world building that they had done yeah. so well until well, that point. Well, it's just because they were uneven. Yeah. If they hadn't been so uneven... If they were all consistent, you'd probably feel better about it. But because they were so... It was highs and lows that it just sort of really drew attention mm. to it. Yeah. Now... Can we please just talk about Snake Plissken's backstory? <laughs> His non-existent, confusing backstory. <laughs> so, if you can recall, I would like you to tell me all the things that we were told about Snake Plissken. So, he robbed a bank. He, he robbed the bank. Why? Don't know. What else did he do? He, he was, was a war hero. He was a war hero. He was the youngest person to be decorated by the president. And he, and he participated in some really interesting, like missions that everyone keeps referencing and what were those missions i don't know we don't know no one tells us (laughs) what else um everyone thinks he he's dead everyone thinks he's dead oh i thought you were dead oh i thought you were dead it's like an it's a joke at a certain point you realize it is a joke i get it but why yeah it's still confusing it's never explained (laughs) it's all his entire fucking Um, backstory is referenced and this is the thing that i have a problem with he also has a relationship with brain that never really gets explained like they knew each other and they seem to be wary about each other but we don't really know why this is the thing (laughs) i get jokes i understand how 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 
comedy works. Or I understand how this works, but if they just hadn't referenced it so many fucking times in yeah. the one film, I wouldn't be going, why? How? Where? Yeah. It's like it. His his reputation clearly precedes him, but we have no idea what his yeah, reputation is. Yeah, and a bunch is. of people know who he is too, and we don't really know. I mean, maybe it's because he decorated War Hero, but we just don't really know. And this is the classic principle of don't tell me, show me. It's yeah. like don't just you can't just say something is true and expect us to go, oh, okay, well it's true. Yeah. Like, I this man, and while the portrayal is it's arguably archetypal, so you mm. sh- you can link into that. You can't just go. This guy's a hardcore badass because he did all these things and then not give us any indication as to what exactly those things were. It's yeah. like yeah. To me the biggest thing was the oh he's robbed a bank. I know that you have no you you don't care about human life and I was like that doesn't make any sense. That's, a, that's right. They keep <laughs> acting like saying to him like um exposition that he has about turned who his, he is and he's turned his back on humanity and all this kind of stuff and it's like well why but like, why all he did was rob a bank that's not your back on humanity what kind happened of shit. he was a war hero what happened between I then I have no fucking I idea I almost would I'd rather see that movie <laughs> yeah how Snake Plissken got the yeah to be like the way how did that get to that point because at least the character would have some depth <laughs> I know that sounds sacrilegious, but Snake Plissken isn't a very deep character. No, he's not. An, he, like you said, he's archetypal. And the other thing, it's like... <laughs> you, you mentioned this. His, his fucking... Uh, call me Snake. And then at okay. the end... And then right, it, so okay. at the beginning they keep calling him Plissken, Plissken, and he's like, call me Snake. Like, my name's Snake. Call so, me Snake. So then he starts calling him Snake, and then in the end and he's like... And at the very end he's like... Call me Pliskin. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, is it? I mean, I'm assuming it's supposed to be funny. Clearly, John Carpenter's gone. Oh, this is cool. But John oh, Carpenter is funny. Doesn't, yeah. But it just didn't really play and then it's that well. Funny for because me. then they do the exact same thing in the second film. And you made a really good point when you said they they made a throwback to something that didn't work in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Like they they made a throwback to something that I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But uh, look, for all intents and purposes. And now I, I say it's low budget, and I, I'm not actually sure of the budget. I'm sure it was several million dollars. Mm. Like it was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't nothing. It wasn't a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. They clearly had a budget, but I mean, it. it the it thing came out the next year, and the thing was fucking unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like in terms movie. Of, it is an it's unbelievable. In film. terms of, especially in terms of like the creature effects and all those kind of things. It's. I know oh. it was a smaller project because it's on sets and those kind yeah. of things, but uh, it looked amazing and it didn't yeah. date at all whereas this you felt like they were working under constraints mm. um so that's what i mean when i say a lower budget yeah. and look for what it was and the time it all came out it's a great film great high concept iconic character uh and, and generally pretty memorable yeah and overall enjoyable like yeah. you don't leave it going like oh i can't believe i sat through that. exactly it was an enjoyable <laughs> film i enjoyed myself when watching it now okay that is a very this is going to be really, really interesting because I would like to talk about the second film now, Escape from L.A. Yes. Okay, so 16 years later. Now, this film, I <laughs> I have so many feelings about. I feel so complex about it. And it's weird because you wouldn't actually expect, having seen this film or knowing of it... Yeah. It to be what it... What, it to produce what it has produced or, in us. Or make me feel the way it yeah. did. Okay. So let's talk about Escape from L.A. So apparently Kurt Russell pushed and pushed and pushed because he loves Snake Plissken. It's his favourite character ever yes, wanted to play and he again. wanted to do a second movie. And they made Escape from L.A. Which has the... Other than the fact that it's L.A. and now it's a president putting people for moral crimes in a prison, yes. 
It's basically the exact same movie. It is the same fucking plot. It hits the exact same tropes at the exact same like moments, probably. And it, and I I'm not even fu- right down to they they coerce him into going by giving him some time sensitive virus. Uh, vi- this time. Well, this time it's a virus. It'll kill him in ten hours. Uh, again, ridiculous. He has um, he has less time. There's that. It's again, it's a briefcase that belongs to the president that has something mm-hmm. uh, sensitive in it. Um, it's just it's so similar. Except that this time the, the president is a straight is up villain. Also, though, he, entirely different. <laughs> he's a very hypocritical Christian, apparently. Yes. Uh, who is just straight evil and is played with absolutely zero death. Yes, and it's his daughter that took the thing and went into the went into L.A. to give it to this radical, the South American because radical. Because she has some at some point fallen in love with him. Yes. Uh, and it's it's his. I think he hacked into her VR simulations or something like that. Yes. And he ended up co- like uh, in. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, he seduced her. He seduced her, and and so she flew in uh, because she's young and, and naive That's and all this kind of stuff. Stupid. <laughs> and so it's in LA, which apparently has been separated. Uh, yes, there was a big earthquake. Um, and, and the earthquake scene is quite good. Yeah, well, so they... For the most part. <laughs> so a, a religious fanatic was like, there's going to be an earthquake and LA is going to float away. And then it happened and then people were like, let's elect a president for life who's a religious. It also yep. had to do with crime as well or something like that. Was there a, was there a war? No, or it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's all moral. There's a war about to happen, but everything else is mo- it's moral crime. So people yeah. are getting thrown in there for being atheists or Muslim. Yeah. So I also felt slightly weirder about him just indiscriminately killing people in this one. Because not all of them are necessarily criminals. criminals. A bunch, they could just be people who are Jewish yeah. or they could just be people who believe in like... But by that same measure, I felt that the the stakes were watered down because then Mm. it was, uh, the stakes weren't anywhere near as high because Mm -mm. everyone in there wasn't a threat. Yeah, exactly. Which was interesting. It just, yeah, I, yeah, that aspect definitely didn't work as well. Okay, so the conceit is the exact same fucking thing as the first film, (laughs) set in LA, which is split off from the mainland. Yes, same conceit though. Okay, so. Other than a plane, there's a submarine, other than a fight to the death there's a basketball game i swear to god this movie <laughs> but we can talk in more depth about this because i actually think it's a lot more complicated yeah well because so here's the thing we're watching it and we're like this is not very good because like can we explain all the all the crazy things that happen first before we go yeah this? okay so let's okay so <laughs> again i found myself asking a lot of bizarre questions yeah. about the film i felt the first nine, maybe nine tenths of it were really badly written. Yeah. Um. There, it, 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 it the, pl- the conceit made even less sense this time around yeah. than it did in the first one, which is a real shame. Uh, it kept putting in throwbacks to the first film. Oh my god, in, so many throwbacks. In ways that didn't work. The plot aped it like it was just, as you said, point for point. Just yeah, although Stacey Keach is so bizarre and amazing. So weird. I, I, I can't, I don't know why, I just, I like him as an actor, he's so odd. And this is the thing, I think Lee, <laughs> who was it, Lee, oh, I can't believe, I, the, the guy who was basically the overseer of the of New York, the the prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, the, in the first film. Uh, I don't have the cast list in front of me, unfortunately, but he balanced his, you know, I, I want to put you in there. I've got respect for you as a soldier, mm. but you're a piece of... You're a scum because yeah. you're a criminal and you've got to go in there. He balanced that a lot better. Stacey Keach was, for the first half of the film, you're a villainous scum, get yes. in here, fuck you. And for the second half of the film, like... He started to question things. Well, not even that, though. It, it immediately switched around. 
uh, he, he immediately he started defending Snake when previously he was attacking him and I only felt it was in that that not that tenth tenth the last tenth yes. of the film where I felt it was better written where it actually seemed he was indecisive because of what he yeah. was seeing rather than just a change yeah. in personality. I think for me it was just that first moment where he's just randomly watering the cactus and I'm like, I love this guy. Oh, that was so weird. It's, it's so just strange. A, I know it's supposed to be a character thing, but it never came up again. He no. never watered the cactuses again. I thought again. he would do it like a number of times. Yeah. Nope. And there, okay, okay, so there's just a lot of weird stuff. There's a scene where uh, they're talking to him and, and he just tries... Like... Yep. Uh, and he tries to attack them and it turns out they're holograms. Because of now, course... Now, then it shows you that the holograms, so they're standing lined up in this room facing him. What the real people are doing are in a room directly adjacent to it, <laughs> standing in a line, facing towards the wall. <laughs> like, not even... And they're just standing there and miming the whole thing, which, you know, is it's fucking so retarded. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's... Uh, so he goes... That's right. He goes... Into LA by. Wait, before this, I just have to say that the, they're talking about how retro his clothes are. They then make him dress in this this clothing to protect him from acid rain, and it, it's like there's literally a dressing montage that happens. It's so silly. It's like the Batman Forever. Yeah, he's like, montage. it's like, it's like boots on, jacket on. Oh, Batman and Robin, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So uh, silly. And okay, it's anyway. all like black leather. <laughs> and it's so weird. So, so uh, he goes into um. LA go- via submarine. <laughs> Horrible. For some reason, for some reason, he ratchets the speed of the submarine up to the full limit and things are beeping, he's banging into things, the guy's telling him to slow down, he refuses to slow down and it makes no fucking sense. Like, the guy's like, slow down. Or you'll break it and it's his only way back. And it's, uh, if he's under the sea, it's the only thing keeping him alive. Yeah. Uh, And and then it it doesn't make any fucking sense. And And he very... quickly launches past the Jaws shark. And when I say that, I mean the Jaws at Universal Studios shark. Because we were like, oh, a shark is attacking him. That's interesting. And then then he sweeps past the Universal Universal Studios. And then you're like, it wasn't a real shark. It was Jaws. It's a shark. What the fuck is happening? It's a shark from the Jaws ride at Universal. Why is that even there? And let's let's not... Okay, so this whole thing is uh, very early CG composite with other things. rough CG. The CG is fucking terrible it's and it's it's bad. clearly a composite with other sort of uh, it looks like some some of it is hand drawn it looks like some of it is scale model yeah but it's all really like really fucking cheap yeah. it's not well integrated at like all. when you've got the you see um the recording of the vr footage from uh, with the 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 the, the Che Guevara of yeah. the film and he looks exactly like <laughs> yes. fucking Che Guevara <laughs> because apparently that's the only revolutionary you know from south america that anyone will ever recognize uh, or associate with any <laughs> revolution. Uh, and you see the CG in that little VR thing and there's little flowers just bobbing side oh, to side so and it looks like a fucking silly. four-year-old drew it. It was, yeah. it's really cheap and really lame. Yeah. Uh, so they, they didn't do as much practical stuff. No. And the CG was all really cheap. Yes. Which is just odd because it had a fifty million dollar budget and it was a box office bomb. I think it made like twenty five million. Yeah, back. it did terribly. Yeah, and oh, like part of me understands because it is silly. It's a yeah. silly movie. Yep. So the scenes that are actually there um, are like okay. So you've got um, he goes through this bazaar. 
and there's like mm. a motorcade for the revolutionary and it's clear that they've just spent a few nights <laughs> uh, like or a few a, a week or so filming between two giant mounds of dirt yeah it and was clearly a very small set that they were trying to make look a lot larger and it was it's just and it's just shit like that that looks so cheap in this film it's to me this is like the first film is like batman yeah 1989 and this film is like batman and robin it's the one where they just like they went, lost the plot. went all fruity and lost he the truly, plot. He truly—he, I mean, at one point he's surfing on a giant tidal wave with um, Peter Fonda. Let's. Oh God. And then he jumps from the tidal wave onto a car that's moving because that happened. So Peter Fonda's in the film, <laughs> and he's the Ernest Borgnine character, sort of, sort, sort of. Because Steve Buscemi is also sort of. In the, the sense that he's the actor who has integrity. He's too old for the genre. And he comes in and plays a bizarre character. Mm. That's that's the same sort of thing. Uh, but I actually thought he was quite good. I think that of all the all the characters that weren't uh, Kurt Russell, he was the one that was most in tune with what his character mm. was about. He looked like a surfer. He sounded like a surfer. Mm. And it didn't make any fucking sense for him to be there. <laughs> he, there was and he, he runs. Snake runs into him coincidentally later on. We have like, there's he so many scenes in this you could just cut out. They make, they have no purpose. He just drops out of the sewer at some point and Peter Fonda is just right fucking there. Like, <laughs> yep. I mean, there's a whole scene. Peter Fonda? Henry Fonda? Peter. Peter, Isn't okay. It? Where am I getting Henry Fonda from? I think he is also a human who exists. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm even thinking Henry Ford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's also a whole scene with Bruce Campbell as like this crazy plastic uh, surgery guy addicted and it really creepy sort Ooh, of yeah. really creepy but it's this really quick scene and there's no reason for it at all at all except that you know post-apocalyptic wastelands have got to have freaks so let's put freaks in yeah he was one of the other people that i thought he understands the tone he gets beef b movies yes and this was all the way a b movie like to think it was a big triple a action blockbuster yeah nah like <laughs> and Steve Buscemi was in it. He phoned his performance in. I felt, uh, I felt he gave it a certain degree of commitment. Yeah. Okay. I, maybe let me let me retract my statement, and offer this statement. I think that he didn't fit the tone of the film. Yeah. Rather than well, his performance and was I bad. think um, I looked it up later, and apparently he was in it to fund his own directorial debut. So yeah. clearly not that invested. Yeah. Um, I didn't think. Um, Pam Greer was terrible either. No, although the the choices that other people made for her were weird. Yeah. How, lowering her voice so Ma that she could pay a transgender person. L lowering was her voice digitally. Yes. So she could play a transgender person. I, I mean, she, person. I was like, why not? Just she could have her voice and be a transgender. Like, I, I don't. Think she they, committed though. No, but I thought she was good. Yeah. I was so excited for her to show up because she showed up in the, mm. in the um credits and I was like oh Pam Greer's in this movie but Henry Fonda and Bruce Campbell the only ones that fit the tone of the film yeah I think um, see I think the reason why Pam Greer sort of worked is she would have been in all those exploitation films yeah. so I think also in a similar way kind of yeah. would be able to commit to something that was a bit silly <sighs> okay so let's talk about where this film gets complicated so as you mentioned now he surfs a fucking tidal wave in a in a sewer um <laughs> Yep. He surfs a fucking tidal a wave. A CG tidal wave. Because uh, apparently he can surf all of a sudden. Yes. He's also uh, a cowboy in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's played <laughs> very much like a wild western film, right down to the, the music, and they call mm. him a gunslinger. And yeah. for some reason, these guys have him cornered, and he said, what does he, what does he say? Let's do it 
um, oh, like Shanghai, Sao Paulo rules, uh, Shanghai or, rules, or, or something. Bangkok rules, Bangkok or something. rules. That's it. There, and it's and it's uh, there's like four of them, and he's like. He Nobody slow- draws until we until the can, can hits, hits the, the ground. ground. So he slowly picks this can up, flings it into the air, flings it into the air, and then just pulls his gun out and it kills everyone. And the can hits the ground, and he goes, "Draw." Oh, it's so silly. <laughs> it's so fucking. But the stupid. thing is, is while we were watching it, at a certain point, it suddenly was like, "Is this supposed to be this bad?" And it happened at the moment where, <laughs> in the first film, they put him in a ring. And made him fight the big, scary ball dude. And in this film, you see them in the arena. And I'm there's like, a big oh ball dude clipping a dude's head off with a giant pair of yeah, shoes. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, they're gonna make them. Do- they're gonna fight make again. him fight the same, same fucking thing. character. Oh my god, they're doing everything the same in this movie. Except, there's a twist. <laughs> he they, does not fight anyone. They make him play basketball. So the the conceit of this little <laughs> game for them is, you have ten seconds uh, to to to. There's, so there's two basketball rings and you've got to score 10 points and you get yes. two points per shot none of this three point bullshit apparently, apparently. A quote from the film and you've got 10 seconds and you've got to between alternate alternate shot. between the yeah, yeah alternate between the rings anyway or you're um, dead the first guy we see uh fails to do it is literally surrounded in, on a, all, in a circle on all on a in a circle by gentlemen with rifles who then fire on him apparently don't kill each other because that's what you would do magic <laughs> and who didn't fucking at the point go oh wait if we stand all these guys in a circle logically they would shoot each other yeah. if they fire their weapons um so he dies snake Plissken gets put into the ring <laughs> makes makes survives yes. makes the 10 points a lot. Uh, the 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 buzzer goes off. He's in slow motion running to make this basketball shot. It is yes. the least tense scene you have ever seen in your entire fucking life. But it almost at a certain point becomes amazing because you're like he, they're slow mowing him, shooting a basketball. That's happening right in a, now in a fucking for his action life. film. In an action for his life in an action film. I'm like, this is kind of great. And. Uh, and I learned later on that he actually makes all the shots on his own now, which is impressive. Impressive, Russell, impressive but... when you when you see the last shot, which is mm. literally a full court one yeah. arm over the shoulder shot, and he makes it in apparently. Apparently, yes. So there's that, and at that point we went. Surely no one, no one could be unaware that this is fucking ridiculous. Like this is on purpose. This has to be it on purpose. Has to, there was not. There was a part. I can't accept that no one there <laughs> who had who had any kind of power mm. um, didn't go, look, John, this is a bit retarded. Yeah. At this point now, everything up until then sort of seemed just like bad writing, bad yeah. storytelling, bad acting. But it crossed this line. Acting. And then at that point, you're right, it crossed a line. It crossed a line into, this is, is this parody? And is this entire movie a parody? And this is the thing I read. Roger Ebert felt like the film actually worked on two levels in the sense that it was actually mocking itself Mm. and its own genre, which means that then the film has something to give to people who see it as satire and people, or parry, and people who see it as an action film Mm. and just switch their brains off, which in my mind makes it one of the deepest and most unbelievably brilliant creative projects on the... in, in Re- history realizing this moment when it was like oh wait this is this is parody it's making fun of 
the last movie, it's making fun of movies. It's making fun of action movies. Like, this is a joke. Something just made the movie such a different experience to be watching. And this is the thing, we still don't know that this is true. No. But. But. I just, I can't believe that it's not. Because I, I just don't think John Car I mean, like, John Carpenter, I know he's made some, like, weird movies or some bad movies, but come on. But he's not fucking retarded. No, he's not, he's not stupid. He's not bad at his job. Kurt Ru and Kurt Russell apparently, you know, wrote the ending. Yeah. And that, that was relatively competent, I felt. Yeah. But we'll get more into that later. But, okay, so from that point onwards, we started to, to look at... And I still was just exclaiming in indignant, like, <laughs> uh, discombobulation <laughs> that, that shit was going on in this film, like the transvestite Pam Greer, uh, the way when they hang glide in to the end oh uh, my to God. The, and, it's and, so strange and they're just doing circles around a bunch like a hundred henchmen who are all mm. shooting up at them and somehow failing to kill them or the bit when they go to fly off at the end and somebody ties the, the helicopter the or the plane thing to a car it to a car and they're like we're stuck and then Pam Greer just shoots it in the rope and they just fly away and, and you're like there's, okay there's zero consequences for that one action mm. why have it in there at all in right. the first place um also, you see the, the fucking Matterhorn uh, in the background. I was so confused. I'm like, what mountain is that supposed just, to be? <laughs> Doesn't look just, real. Just the fucking terrible CG when, when the helicopter gets shot. Anyway, I, I, I just... I, the more I think about it afterwards, the more I'm like, that is fucking so good. Like, and so mind-bendingly brilliant. I mean, we're... I mean, I almost feel like it's verging on... And again, this is us reading into it. We don't technically know this exactly. was the intent. But I feel like it's verging on Andy Warholian, like, performance art. Like, it's almost yeah. a piece of performance art. It is like, from the start... Maybe not from the start, but at some point, John Carpenter decided to undercut the expectations of this film mm. and action films in general, which I find really funny because then... It's like, instead of... Because the first half of the film just does exactly the same as the, as the first film. But it does it heightened and more ridiculous. Because, like, so he says, like, they're like, what do you want to say to the world, Snake, on, like, this news thing? And, or what do you want to say to the world? Plisky's like, call me Snake. And then he says this line again. A minute later, the minute he gets inside the, uh, yeah. the prison processing center. Like... But this is the thing. And now like, I'm thinking back on it and going, "Do you think that that was like on purpose? That was like making fun? Was that what was happening?" Like, but this is the thing, though. <laughs> I'm everything just. I, know. I feel like the second half of the film was played like that, and the mm. first half of the film was played straight, and they didn't realize because I felt that my expectations were lowered considerably mm. when I realized that they were replaying the plot points, but just doing it stupid. I like it. Yeah. That it felt like if you're going to subvert expectations, you've got to be doing it from the start you can't but I don't know because we didn't we watched you the can't start do expecting it from... something very different like I wonder can't... if we went back and watched the start but you can't subvert expectations three quarters of the way through the film it doesn't make sense when, it doesn't It doesn't. there's no payoff when it's that far into it it's I don't like, know it was, it was what a strange film here's the thing though so he was going to call the third film the third film if, if, <laughs> if, this, if the second hadn't been received so badly yeah. Escape from Earth now, you could never in a million years take that seriously yeah, no, from the that's outset. Absurd. Which leads me to believe that this may very well have been creative genius. Yeah, it leads credence to the theory that this is just absurdity to be absurd. Exactly. Let's talk about the last, 
the night the, the, the last tenth of the film. Yeah, the last tenth of the film. Because this is the only part that I actually felt was well written and made sense and the characters actually had real reactions. And it turns out that Kurt Russell wrote this part. Which blows my fucking mind. And makes me think he should have written the whole movie. So look, long story short, uh, Kurt Russell uh, gets out in the helicopter just in time. He, the helicopter crashes. He throws the the, the president's daughter oh, everybody out. Everybody but him and the president's daughter burned to death in the back. Oh, that's right. It gets shot and Pam Greer and everyone just fucking die. Yep. Um, Not Steve Buscemi. He jumped out on in LA. But yeah, that's right. And then he and then he screams, "Come back!" Like, oh no, he's like, "Hey guys!" Like yeah. they left him, but he jumped out. And it, exactly. <laughs> it's like why, why? Oh, and then Shea Guevara gets shot in the chest, like square in the fucking chest. And doesn't barely, die. Sh- barely sh- shakes it right off. Doesn't barely reacts to it, so he can fire off a rocket and then just collapses <laughs> dead. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So great. But um, at okay. this point, I was enjoying the movie so much because yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is I just insanity." I was still just just firing my brow <laughs> in utter confusion. Um, and so Kurt Russell puts. Uh, one of the devices, because it's a doomsday yeah, they, device, basically. So there's a, basically a doomsday device, and then they have they created a decoy. And they do it right in front of your face. Now, this is another point that you made. Everything yes. that happened in the first film that sort of happened, and then it, it re- was revealed after the the you know devices had been it switched was all, or whatever. Yeah, it was all supposed to be sneaky. It wasn't. They didn't just go look at what we're doing now. But in this one, it was explicit that mm. they were making a copy of the device. Yeah. Like he actually, they talk about it. he actually, Steve Buscemi's character actually says, "Now maybe they will think that this is yeah, the real we can one. switch them." <laughs> oh, <Anyway>. okay. <laughs> So the Doomsday MacGuffin, he, he puts one in the pocket of the daughter and kicks her out before mm. the helicopter crashes. Anyway, the helicopter crashes, and I'm not sure if this was intentional, but it sort of looks like he's consumed in the crash. But you know he's not, but it doesn't show him getting out. Which... No, so they show him, based, so it looks like he's consumed in the crash but uh, and all these flames, but then they don't give you the payoff of him walking out of the flames? Or coming weird. out of nowhere. It's just like the next cut is him in front of the chopper. It's I so to crash chopper and he's just there and I'm like well we didn't see where he came from he could have come from fucking anywhere what are you doing anyway so they corner him uh, yes. and they ask for the doomsday MacGuffin so he gives them he hands it over has to and also at that point finds out that the f- the virus he was given that was supposed to kill him now this is the was thing was a flu they're like and this is what I, both of us sort of expected at the end of the first film yes that he would go He'd show up with these bombs in his neck and they'd go, we didn't actually put bombs in But they neck. were real. In this one, they go, you're a sucker. The yeah. virus wasn't real. It's just an aggressive Which, form of the flu. Which, apparently John Carpenter wanted the bombs to be fake in the real one. So I feel like... Is that he, true? Yes. He right. actually didn't want... He wanted it to turn out that they so had just wh- played it. So how did he lose... I don't know. Control of I that. Think, no, I think it was his original plan, but then he decided it was better if they were real. Gotcha, gotcha. So he changed his mind, but then he kind of played it out in this one. Gotcha. Uh, so he gives the Doomsday MacGuffin over... Uh, the president makes a statement in front of a camera again, um, and then he's going to use it to eliminate Cuba. I oh think. yeah, he's taking all the. He can shut down the power. That's the thing. This device shuts down all the power it's of certain. An electric ma- magnetic pulse that uh, there's satellites all around the world yes. because America apparently has the you know the right to do this. Um, Try and stop us. And so he uses. <laughs> he, he points the Doomsday, Doomsday MacGuffin at Cuba, who are the, rev, the you know, with the aid of this revolutionary, yes. are going to invade America. And it starts playing Steve Buscemi's voice. Yes, because he switched it. Oh. Yes. Oh, but here's the thing um, that he hands over the device, oh, and right. they're like, 
where's the real one? And and the yeah. girl turns up. They find and the girl and they're like, ah, oh, you put the real device on her. So they take it from her. And then they use it, and it's Steve Buscemi's. He'd yes. predicted what they were going to do, gives it to her anyway. So it's like a double double bluff Double there. bluff. Uh, and then... And then... Kurt Russell's like, I... Refuses I'm... to hand it over, and so they shoot him. And turns out he's a hologram. He's a fucking hologram. Because they gave him a little hologram thing that he could only use once. And then he lost his coat, and then he got it back at the very last second before That's getting right. on the helicopter, and then became a hologram, and turns out the electricity all over the world. And I'm laughing my fucking ass off because I know he's standing somewhere in the forest looking off into the distance, miming <laughs> that they're all in front well, of him. Well, and because, like, they say he has to be within a certain distance. Yeah. So he's close by. <laughs> and this is the point where Stacy Keach starts to doubt. You can see him really acting. And this is the first time in the film that he actually has a motivation for Mm. this kind of thing. Which, again, I don't feel like is his fault, because he is a good actor. Yeah. So here's the thing. Kurt Russell... Turns out all the electricity. ...types the code in to turn the world off. 666 is the code to turn out the electricity across the world. Yeah, but the woman's (laughs) like, he's going to do it. Uh, This guy's like, you're going to destroy the world. Uh, I don't know how, because as far as I can tell, it would only just destroy the current electronic devices that exist now, not all the ones that exist in the future. Yeah, and even then, that doesn't, like, destroy the war. Like, it's a bit of a bit dramatic. Anyway, he does it. And I love that he does it. Yeah. It's so good that he does it. Mm. Uh, And the world goes into a blackout. And he stands there. Kurt Russell stands there, away wherever he is. Mm. Pulls out a cigarette called American 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 Spirit Cigarette. Because there's no smoking in this oh, new country. Yes, in this new America. Uh, and he puts it in his mouth. He lights it with a match. He lights it with a match and he looks at it burning and then he looks directly into the camera and sort of tilts his head and then blows it out. And then it goes black. And then it goes black. And that is beautiful. Wait, it's beautiful. wait, wait, wait. It's wait. beautiful. Great ending. It's a great ending and it's it's written really well and you know that it's, you know, that, it's, that he's looking at you yeah. and it's such a good ending. And then he says... <laughs> So Can fun. I do it? Can I do please, it? Please, please do it. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> oh so my god. Silly. It's so fucking terrible. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's the worst line. And it's the worst. It's just... It's bit... Oh, what a film though. What yeah. a roller coaster. Let's do... Let's do the sound effect. Alright. Um, Escape uh, from New York. Does it hold up? It does. It does. I think I, it does. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth a rewatch. I don't I, think you'll be disappointed. I think it meets your expectations, though. Mm. Now. Now. Escape <clears throat> from L.A. Does it hold up? It doesn't. N- no. It's a terrible piece of shit for a lot of the movie, but I highly recommend you, you watch it. You have to watch it. You've got to watch yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. I like. I want to say. I want to say. I don't like. I don't want to recommend it because, like you said, it's awful. But at the same time, you have to watch it. It's also amazing. It's, it's, it's the most bafflingly, unbelievably awesome thing I've ever. And this is the thing. I can't say like Samurai Cop. It's a good bad movie. It's because just, it might be brilliant. I know. I like. I'm not sure what's happening, but I think everyone needs to watch it. Definitely. Oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> so, that concludes our first episode of Dinner Party Small Talk Plus, DPSC Plus. Yes. Uh, the place where we put all the stuff we just don't have time for, and clearly don't have time for, because that's about the length of a regular show, and all we did was talk about 
two movies. Longer than the length of a yes. regular show. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing this in the future, though, because yeah. it'll be nice. All right. Uh, so thank you, everybody, yes. and good night. Thank you.